Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, joined by co-host Carla Jo Helms. Hi, guys. And today we'll be talking with Jamie Birch of Jeb Commerce about affiliate marketing. Jamie is the owner and principal of Jeb Commerce. His extensive internet marketing experience includes all facets of online marketing, email, paid search campaigns, customer retention programs, and much more. This wide range of disciplines has enabled Jamie to excel as a business leader and Jeb Commerce to realize the great level of success for its clients. Uh, Jamie, really excited to have you on today talking about affiliate marketing. Yeah, thank you for having me. So this is a topic that, I don't know, for me is going to be a lot of fun because I've always had a negative impression of, of affiliate marketing. Yeah. And I've never really talked to somebody about affiliate marketing. I've just got little bits and snips here and there on the edge of stuff. And then speaking with you before, I thought, oh boy, this is a real thing. It's not just the seedy side that I hear of or I think of. There, there's a lot to this affiliate marketing and I'm always excited to learn something about something that I either know nothing about or have a, I, I think negatively of. And then usually you, you study it and you find out you like it. Um, so let's jump into you first. Can you tell me about yourself and uh, how you got into to, uh, marketing, B2B marketing specifically? Yeah, uh, yeah, I graduated from college and you know, like many college students, I, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. So I kind of fell into this. Uh, through the interview process or trying to find uh, a company. I interviewed for just about everybody. Uh, and during that time, uh, the dot-com bubble was growing uh, still pretty rapidly. My father sent me a, uh, a news article about a kid younger than me driving a Bugatti. Uh, I think it was a Bugatti. Um, I really like cars. All I can think about is that rap song. <laughs> Instagram, so you didn't look it up there. <laughs> Somebody had to send you an article back then and say, look yes. how these people are living in uh, lavish. I woke up in my Bugatti. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to wake up in a Bugatti. And yeah, my dad had to actually physically copy an article from a magazine and attach that uh, to an email. Uh, and so, yeah, so I saw that and I was like, I, I'd like to know what that is. And it was, uh, it was the internet and I had been on, on <laughs> it was the internet, <laughs> it was the internet. And I'm like, okay, let's go look at that. So I did find, I found a, a couple jobs uh, that I interviewed and the one I took asked me three questions. Um, can you do the job? Um, was it, can you do the job? When can you start? And how was your drive? <laughs> That order. Uh, and I drove like four and a half hours for the interview and wow. used all the beer money I had. Uh, and so I was pretty upset. I love this story. Yeah. And so he called and I had a bunch of different jobs to, to, uh, to review a bunch of offers. Um, and I took it because I thought at the time, you know, we had this emerging, emerging industry and I thought, you know, if I can show and demonstrate uh, success, and responsibility, uh, then I can move up way quicker than the door and window manufacturing job that I was looking at that had a- and get that Bugatti. And get the Bugatti. It was always the Bugatti. Uh, it's been I'm 20 years. You're gonna sleep in it because you're living in your car, but still. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's been 20 years, I have a Cadillac, but not a Bugatti. <laughs> Usually so, your extravagant young person things, by the time you get to where you can get them, you're like, that's not what I really want anymore. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the first goal, the very first goal, and I've, I've never told anyone this, is a fridge full of green tea Sobeys. <gasps> yeah. I was rolling cash heavy when I could put as many Sobeys in my fridge as I could. Okay, so you stack them all awesome. up just for the, uh, okay, I've achieved my goal. Now I can drink them. I don't need to have it. I full am anymore, a baller but... shot caller. That's what, that's what I am now. <laughs> uh, and once I could, I realized how stupid that was. <laughs> I never did it. So I knew I yeah. could. Yeah. Body. I mean, just Sobe tea. That's all you need, right? That's all I needed. Yeah. Sobe and a little SoCo at the time. but <laughs> You left that out of the dream though. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew I could achieve that. I've as long as you refrigerate the Sobe, the SoCo doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that job was affiliate marketing. And that was actually search engine optimization. So that was my first foray into uh, digital marketing and marketing really at all. 
Um, and exactly what I thought hap would happen happened. As I demonstrated some success in, in that uh, arena that no one in the company knew what it was. Um, I got affiliate marketing and email marketing. Um, and that's, so I, I got exposed to, and we did, we did political e-commerce stuff. We did medical e-commerce direct to consumer. Uh, and we did some B2B medical uh, marketing as well. So I got exposed to, to digital, but really good, solid marketing, um, you know, uh, letter writing, uh, postcards and those kind of things. So it was a really well-rounded education for me. Yeah. Um, I thought that job would last forever. It lasted a solid 10 months until all hell broke loose and uh, there were just simply, you know, the, the dot-com bubble burst. Ten months is pretty forever. That's dot com forever, though. Oh yeah, and yeah. and in my life at the time, I was twenty four. You know, it was still a significant part uh, of that time. So then I found myself. Uh, I interviewed at two places. One was Coldwater Creek in Sandpoint, Idaho, and the other was um, a Team On, which was a kind of a precursor to Gmail. So it was shared email and document storage. Uh, before like we're that talking was, early early two two thousand two thousand one yeah. uh, two thousand two thousand one yeah yeah and so I went to work there and that's where you know we honed a lot of the B two B marketing um, and B two B affiliate marketing uh, and then the bubble completely deflated uh, and I actually went and took the job that Coldwater Creek offered me when I went to Team On in Seattle. Hmm. Uh, and there I spent uh, the majority of my time in consumer marketing, direct to consumer, uh, catalog, um, grew search affiliate uh, to over $35 million a year, um, managed uh, a lot of their email marketing uh, and things like that. And then after a while, discovered that um, I could do this for a lot of other companies uh, mm -hmm. and kind of hit a, hit a ceiling there. Um, and wanted to want just wanted to do more for I, I saw that we went through a recession and I saw that what we were doing through these digital channels uh, it, it kept people working and I could actually do what I'm doing for this one company I could do it for two three maybe four mm -hmm. uh, and you know just magnify my impact on on the world through you could scale yourself out a little bit basically yeah I could scale myself out there there were economies of scale with working for uh, different retailers that were similar um, and I used to say change in the world, you know, one small retail transaction at a time. And so that's, that's what I wanted to do. So then I started my agency, um, and we've worked with well over 200, uh, clients since then. We started in 2004. Um, so this October is 15 years. Uh, and we've worked with just about every, uh, client imaginable. You know, we were there when, you know, affiliate marketing started, uh, we have heard every um, defense of the channel and every attack on the channel. And I've seen just about every scam and way that uh, uh, a business can get ripped off uh, and an affiliate can get ripped off uh, in the space. You know, I have to, to think about that because you've been on it since the incipient stages. <clears throat> and I'm also in an industry that uh, there can be a lot of fraud and scams, which we have to clean up you know, crisis yeah. management, right? But if there wasn't money in the industry, there would not be fraud and scams. That's what I have to say. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you probably saw the rise of it. And then, you know, you have these guys that come in and try to game the system, right? But yeah. how would you say affiliate marketing has changed? Does it kind of come full circle, you know, back to its roots? Um, you know, a lot has changed and a lot has stayed the same. I mean, if you really think of what affiliate marketing is, it's not new with the internet. It, you had value-added resellers before that. You had middleman merchants before that. You had individuals that would find, you know, someone would need something. You had people who would go find it, mark it up, and, and sell it. So uh, in a way, it's still at its roots that we've had for, since we've had probably currency. Yeah. Uh, exchange of, of value. Um, but we have, you know, where it is now is I, I seemingly everyone in the space is hyper focused on proving the value of the channel 
and only paying for the value that is uh, required or, or requested. You mean, so, you, tell me what you mean by that. Tell our listeners what you mean by that. Yeah. So uh, in the early days, um, if you generated a million dollars through your affiliate channel, that is how it was recorded. Uh, a sale is a sale and we, you just didn't think about it beyond uh, money in the, in the bank. As it started to mature and the other channels started to mature, so search engine optimization and email and as paid search emerged with GoTo, Overture, and then Google AdWords, all these channels started to grow up and what you'd see at the end of the year or end of the month, uh, every channel would report their sales and it was greater than the actual receipts that we had in the bank. So all the channel reports would come in for the month and there'd be $1.1 million and you'd look at the actual money received. It was 890,000. Okay. What's going on? So then what we started to do is, uh, is to make sure we're not double counting. So then yeah. it's, it's this decision process that's really been going on since then of how is the customer uh, purchasing? What's that journey look like? And what part of that order is credited to which channel. And once you get to that point, then it's all assumptions because it's really hard to understand and to know this consumer made this purchase through the affiliate channel, but they also touched our direct mailer. They visited a store and clicked on a paid search ad. So I mean, that's why you have so many different channels, right? Right. Yep. So you want to get all these things, you want to get people into your company as many ways as possible, but you have them all starting to overlap where you're paying, you know, this company to direct people into you, but then another company is directing the same people, same people. And now you, so what do you do? it's like you're at attribution yeah. within a company level, but then you have all these affiliates that are overlapping. Yeah. Yes. Everybody wants a piece as if they are responsible for the whole thing. Exactly. And so that's what the industry is at now. Uh, and I don't know if, I don't think that's full circle. I think it's, it's just a long way farther down the road. And so, you know, a lot of what we do is, is it'd be great if the customer, you had a retail customer and that's all they did. Yeah. And they never went to Google or they never got an email and you had an email customer and they were siloed. That is not how any of us shop. And so there's been a huge push to make sure all these paths are integrated and the customer has this one path. And then there's a push of, okay, what channels do we need? You know, where is the, where does the customer need uh, information? Where, what do we need to close the sale? Uh, and so what they will do is they'll look at, it's all about data at this point, uh, data on new customer acquisition, data on how many channels uh, does that customer touch? So they're really looking, whereas before, hey, it came through the affiliate channel. Yay, we got $1.1 million. Um, now they're looking at the whole customer path. So all that data from the affiliate channel that used to be kind of, uh, not kind of, it used to be uh, separated from all the other channels. All that, all the channels are now brought it's in. It's all together. It's all together. And you're looking at, you know, customer profiles and this customer profile, these customers who look like this, they're shopping from intent to purchase this way. They're, they're first asking a friend or they're getting a referral from Facebook and then they're going to Google to search for these types of things. Uh, and then they'll go, they'll pick uh, two sites to go look at and they'll go look at the product and then maybe they'll go back and find if they can find a better deal somewhere else, or they are being introduced from video bloggers or podcasts or other influencers. Um, and each, each of those consumers are worth different. So then what you do is from the affiliate channel perspective, um, you look at, you, you, set, you sit down and figure out what are you looking for? What are you trying to get this channel to do? There are some things it does really, really well. There are other things it does not do very well. So are your goals of customer acquisition aligned with what the channel can do? Right. And then what does a profitable target customer acquisition look like for you from this channel? And then you weigh all your, your, you weigh your channel against that. So you got that aggregated goal. Right. But then you go down by each partner and you weigh it against that. And then you look at your tools. So I was writing down some notes before this and you know, you look at your audience. Everything now is about your audience. One of the reasons Amazon is so successful is they have one single focus 
and it is their customer. Like so everybody you, in the world, that's their focus. <laughs> exactly, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like I'm not talking at all because I know so, so little about about uh, affiliate marketing that I'm just listening. Yeah, but Jamie's doing wanna, so good for no, laying no, you're, down. Like, you're, I'm so tracking. You're killing it, Jamie. One awesome. question that comes to mind for me is, do people tend to manage their own affiliate marketing? And I know you've done this in-house for companies, so obviously people have in-house affiliate stuff. Or do they tend to farm it out? Because this sounds like it can get really, I mean, many things in marketing are complex, but this sounds like it can get really complex and just trying to figure out how to mash all this data together. But yeah. if you're outside a company, you don't necessarily have access to all that data. They'd have to give you access to all that data. So how does all that work? Is, is this usually in-house, outside? How, how does that manage? It's both. But when you look at it, let's look at all the different uh, activities in making an affiliate channel successful. So you need the strategy and that's typically by someone Love at it. a, you know, a high level, someone who's done it for a really long time. Then you have uh, relationship building. So not always do you have the, strat the strategy, the strategist cares to talk to people or is a good relationship builder. So there's this aspect of sales that, that is huge in the, uh, in affiliate marketing. Yeah. So you have to be a salesperson from the perspective of not a, not a used car salesperson, but a really good relationship builder, uh, and relationship maintainer. Uh, and that's focused on their affiliates as, uh, you know, as, as business partners. Um, you have admin work, you have, um, compliance issues to monitor. So you have all these different mm. aspects. So you need to be a good strategist. You need to have experience. Um, you need to be a, a good relationship builder. Uh, you need to have the time to go out and find where your audience is, where they're going, where they're interacting uh, and create those things. So a lot of times um, the merchant will farm that out because it's super hard to find all those things in one person that, you know, their strategy. John, and I would say it's near impossible. I mean, you'd have to have your own separate division for that and a company. Yeah. And a lot of times when you look at uh, your typical marketing department, you know, you have, uh, you have direct to consumer, you know, direct mail stuff. You have, when you go to digital, you have SEO, uh, you have email, uh, you have display, you have retargeting, you have those kind of things. Those are, those are levers we pull and we optimize, but rarely are you dealing with a, a personality you know, a human on the other end right. uh, where they're running their own, you know, they ha they're in charge of their own ecosystem, their own economy. And so that, that part, you know, if, if, if you guys have ever hired a salesperson or anyone listening, that's super hard. <laughs> to, I, 20 years, I found two of them and it took three years to find each one. Like it takes time. <laughs> so this crazy. is interesting. My, my impression of how affiliate marketing works is, you're basically saying, Hey, I can direct traffic to you and you'll pay me for the traffic. And when I first started hearing about affiliate marketing was, uh, was uh, well, I'm going to have to edit this part out. I sound uh, silly. Um, <laughs> need some water. <laughs> when I, yeah, I need some water. When I first it's started tasty. hearing about it, it was like, Hey, we we'll put a banner ad on our site and it's affiliate thing. Yeah. We're going to drive traffic through to you. Um, and we get paid for the traffic or we get paid for sales that come from it. If you have attribution or something like that. But it occurs to me hearing you talk, it's, it's basically like you're hiring an outside, um, you're hiring a salesperson, but they're really doing the marketing side of it. So you're hiring a marketing person that's commissioned kind of. Um, I put a post up online the other day with a concept on what if instead of giving your people a salary, you gave them a budget. And it seems kind of like that's what affiliate marketing is almost. What if you took a, an account manager and said, you know what? I'm not going to give you whatever amount a year. I'm not going to give you 50,000 a year plus commission. I'm going to give you a $60,000 budget and you got to pay yourself out of that also. Or I'm going to yeah. give you so much a month budget and then you're still commissioned or you can take a marketing person and say, you know what? Your salary is now part of the budget. And so if you want more budget, it's there. It's just, it's also your salary. You got to figure out how to pay yourself and how to, how to perform and it gives them the ability to invest in themselves and make more less now, but invest that into mm -hmm. the growth, but, but more later. Um, it seems like affiliate marketing is almost that it's almost, you're saying, Hey, we're going to allow yeah. somebody on the outside to go and 
be another marketing person for us and direct traffic or to, I would imagine there's specific channels you want to push them into where you say you're not just doing anything and everything. Your job is to direct people to this specific uh, place and time or whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of, it's kind of both. And there are affiliates that we've worked with over time and we said, Hey, we want to reach X category of audience in this way. Can you go figure out how to do that? Uh, and, and I've, I've uh, helped companies build, you know, I've helped a single individual build an affiliate uh, site and then sell it later on. Uh, but there are, you know, the way that I describe it is if I'm, if I'm speaking to uh, my mom or dad's friends who are like, what's, what's that crazy stuff your son's into? Uh, I will say it, it's, in an old school world, imagine, you know, you are, uh, you have a product and you're selling it and you have all these geographic regions that you want a person in it going out and finding customers and selling that product. Our job as an affiliate manager is to make sure we understand the product, make sure we have really great tools for people to convert the sales. And then we go out and we say, all right, uh, Washington state, I need, how many people do I need to sell in Washington state? and to make that successful. Now I got to go find them. I'm going to find them and maybe they're people who've never done this before uh, and they want to get into it or maybe they already like a value added reseller. They already have a geographic region that they service. They already have clients that they service that they can plug our, uh, our client's product or service book or uh, you know, financial tool. They can plug into what they're already doing. So our job is to find those people, cultivate those people, make sure they have a good product understanding, make sure they know what we're looking for, uh, and then work with them to optimize their efforts and their budget so that we get the type of customer our client is looking for. Interesting. Um, so it's almost like a nightclub promoter or something like that, where you might say, <laughs> you know what, or yeah. an, an event promoter. We're yeah. putting on this event, but we don't know the area. So we're not going to go in and try to market it. We're going to hire these people and they're going to get commissioned on who they bring through the door. Yeah. Um, but you're saying back to the earlier problem is sometimes you've got three promoters bringing the same person to the door. You're like, wait a second, who gets, exactly. who gets yeah. credit for this person? Who gets credit? And, so, and now I can tell my children I've been compared to a nightclub promoter <laughs> and the coolness factor just a little bit up. You really need that yeah. Bugatti now. You're like a concert do, promoter, yeah. basically, but for, you know, boring stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. seriously, how do you handle it when it could have, it could have, there were so many touch points on that particular client? Yeah. You know, it is all, at the end of the day, we come down to assumptions we make about what that customer was thinking and how they made the decision. Uh, and so you're making assumptions almost every single, in fact, every attribution tool and attribution model I know is based on someone's gut that's based on data and case studies that they have. Usually, sometimes people will just, you know, they'll just say, hey, I, I want credit for that sale. And I think it's all search engine optimization. So they it's try all to be as logical as possible. And then yeah. other it's completely arbitrary. And then you sit down and say, I'll give you these three, but you're not getting those four. <laughs> well, I don't think there's a lot of, a lot of that trading. going on. No horse <laughs> trading. But you are in there. A good team will get together and, and uh, leave ego and channel defense out of it and talk about the consumer. What were they doing? Do they need to? Do we need that affiliate to close the sale? Do we need that piece of content with the influencer to introduce the sale? You know, how is the consumer behaving? And then what do we want to re reward them for? So you have the, the big discussion right now is influencers versus closers. Yeah. So mm -hmm. in a very, those are two big things. It's almost like a oof. presenter versus a closer. I mean, yep. an order taker versus a closer. It's very different. <laughs> exactly. And the traditional way of... Uh, of managing that is the closer gets the sale. Uh, and for a long time, that's the only technology we really had. Last click, we call it, you right. know, it's, it's the, the closer gets the sale, but, but that really doesn't take into account all the other parts that really yeah. warmed them up and educated them, which was still part of the agreement cycle, which is still part of the yeah. sale cycle. Exactly. Right. So our, our contracts have to have had to change. Um, the technology had to change to where we can say, um, you know, the, one, the influencer that they watched a 30-minute video on, uh, you know, how to use this financial tool or how to dress for your next interview or anything like that, that influencer, what's the weight? If we didn't have them, what's the likelihood that that user converts? 
or even is introduced to us at all. So out of the marketing budget for that particular order, you know, and say, say um, they've identified in the channel, they can pay 10% of the order, order value or a hundred dollar bounty for the order. So what percentage of that should go where? And so you're just writing that in the contract. And what we recommend is you be just transparent with everybody. This is what our goal is. It's new customer acquisition. So if you bring us a customer that is purchased with us every two years, like every cust our average customers do, we're not giving you 10 points on that. Now, right. they may not have purchased and we value the partnership. We're going to give it a much smaller rate. But for new customers, and they'll, you can divide it. New customers have no other touch points. Super valuable. You were the introducer and the closer and you did all the work. Awesome. We're going to give you even more than 10 points. Um, but then you look at if they have, um, if they are influencer and it can get, you can make this so complicated that if they're an influencer and they have three other channels, you divide it all four ways. But if they're an influencer with this code, they're a preferred publisher and no one gets credit. And if and their last name ends in R uh, mm -hmm. and their birthday is yeah. on the third month, so from the third, third weekend of That May. technology we're working on, but it's, it's probably coming out. So but do that's you have what like an algorithm or equation that most of the stuff plugs into, or is it kind of scratched up on every, every contract? Yeah, to um, come up with it, we sit down with our, uh, our clients and we, we really work to understand their goals, what they're doing in other channels, how they value different types of activities, uh, and what, what they, their margin can afford. Most of the affiliate networks, so what, you have a couple different players in the industry. You have the merchant. I, like the, the I, wanna, I don't want to gloss over the part of the equation is what their margin can afford. I like that. Yeah. yeah. That <laughs> it's like not only you can take the attribution, you can say, Hey, this was due to this. So we get this. But if, if the client can't afford it at the end, then you're not going to have much business going on. Yeah. And you look at the competitive landscape too. If all your competitors are offering, you know, 20% of the order and your margins will carry three, well, right. offer 20. Uh, and maybe it's not the channel for you. Uh, we need to find other ways to generate that revenue, but you have uh, the clients, you have the affiliates, those publishers out there generating, you know, creating the audiences uh, and generating the sales. You have agencies like, like us who manage that whole process, but then you have the networks. So it's a third party marketplace where affiliates and merchants uh, can meet removes friction from having to go and make individual tracking arrangements with everybody. But primarily they provide the tracking and it's a trusted third source because in the beginning, a lot of, uh, you know, as the dot-com uh, started to blow up and then started to, to well, blow up, um, you had merchants that wouldn't pay. Now, so hold on a second. I want to, I really want to dig into this. We're finally getting, I think, to the fraud discussion. Yes, and I, to the, yeah, like that. Are, I can feel it. <laughs> and, and that's going to, we're going to really dive into that. That's going to be exciting, but I want to take a quick break. Um, so let's break for just a minute and we'll be back. We'll talk about all the, the great stuff um, that, that's happening with affiliate marketing, as well as the, the history of, uh, you know, anytime there's a great new thing that comes along, people find a way to exploit it. Um, and the, the history of fraud in affiliate marketing, if we, if we can say that. Is there a better way to say it that doesn't paint it so bad or is it just fraud? It's just fraud. We, yeah, we just <laughs> it is what it is. In the room, right? Yeah. All right. It's fraud. We'll, we'll be back with the, after the break with the uh, fraud. Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast. Uberflip is the world's number one content experience platform with tools to aggregate all your marketing content and empower B2B marketing and sales team to create personalized content experiences to engage in counts, nurture prospects, and convert leads without the help or need of IT. It's our mission to put control back in the hands of marketing teams to deliver high converting experiences that put the customer front and center. Check it out at uberflip.com. All right. We are back on the If You Market podcast. We have uh, Jamie Birch here with us today from Jeb Commerce talking about affiliate marketing. Uh, Jamie, right before the break, we mentioned the fraud word. Let's mm -hmm. jump into that. Affiliate marketing and fraud. I think that's what a lot of people who don't know about affiliate marketing know about it. Um, so can you get into kind of the history of some of, some of that stuff? 
Yeah, definitely. And that was a way softer lead into that than last time we talked. <laughs> <laughs> like I yelled, I'm going to nail you, man. Yeah. And I think Carla said, so affiliate marketing is a scam. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, and, and we were talking before recording, anything where there's money, there's going to be fraud. And, I, and one of the things I think the industry has been really frustrated with is just that expectation. You know, whenever, whatever we do where there's money involved, people are going to try uh, to skirt the rules, get money they, they shouldn't be getting. And they're always ahead of us, just and like it's, doping it's online, in sports. It's something new. Somebody figured yep. out a way like, oh, hey, we can do this and just get a bunch of money. Right. Exactly. And, and like you alluded to earlier, you know, you thought you were buying, tra the affiliate marketing was buying traffic. That's what we used to do in the beginning. I can send you a million sessions today, probably while we're on this podcast, if you want to pay me for that, none really? of them are going to be good. So that was really the first, uh, that's the way it exhibited itself first was just click farms. And those are still around. Right. Like they're, you know, when you, if you have anyone on that talks about display and retargeting and any of that, like that's a huge issue for them. But we, we have very few uh, programs now that, that even really, worry about clicks at all. It's a good metric for conversion rate, but no one really pays on that anymore. So oh, really? technology that's allowed you to kind of track it all the way through now? Well, I think just, it was so bad. <laughs> Paying, <laughs> You're you forced know, to address it. <laughs> yeah, well, remember hit counters? How many hits did you get? Like, what yeah, the yeah. hell is a hit? I gotta put one of those on our site, that would be awesome. Oh yeah, you definitely <laughs> need one, I love them. And some music when you go to the site, little background music. <laughs> Blinking lights, we'll go yeah, MySpace on it. Find yeah. And turn off. <laughs> yeah, anything like that. But, uh, you know, it was just that it was so easy to defraud and to earn money on it that it, that was shut down. And so then everyone went to, you know, if we get a credit card and we get a purchase, the likelihood of fraud is, is much lower. Um, so you always have credit card fraud uh, in anything where you're using your credit card as an option. So that's a huge, uh, that's a huge problem uh, in all digital marketing. Uh, now in the past, I've had some pretty damn creative individuals scam with a credit card. So, so what we had is, a person uh, stole a credit card, sold it to a group. That group would then go buy leather goods through their own affiliate link. So they bought leather goods at Coldwater Creek. Those leather goods, you know, so they didn't pay for it because it was a stolen credit card. They got a commission on it because they went through their own affiliate link. They're an affiliate. They shipped that product to a student at a university in Florida who got it, put another shipping label on it, and sent it to China. They sold it on the black market in China. So I think that's a triple dip. They got, wow. they got wow. the product for free. They got the affiliate commission and they actually sold the product. Uh, and they only bought goods that, you know, were relative commodities, you know, leather shoes, leather bags, stuff like that. Uh, and they were doing that all over the place. And so everything, How long did that last? Um, you know, I can't remember, but I think it was a few months. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and they did it with all, you know, a significant amount of online retailers at the time. And so it took a while to even think anything was wrong with that. Yeah. Because the, you know, back then, you know, now you, you are notified same day when there's a transaction on your credit card, that looks a little weird. Right. Back then that wasn't the case. If they have a source of new stolen credit cards and they have, uh, yep. I don't, they're not scaling it too much and saying just buy 500 of these shoes or something like that and have them all yep. shipped to this place. Then yeah, that's really hard to detect. They're, yeah. they're acting human. Yeah. And so that was one of the ways that can happen. And then your typical credit card fraud, I won't talk about that. That still goes on. And there's a lot of stuff in place that I'm not the one to talk about. That's um, it. The affiliate part of that is almost is a minor part kind of. Yeah, that's in just that, in that scam. They're like, hey, yeah. why not set this up and uh, get a little extra too? Yeah. And most of the time that's like, I've only had one or two experiences where they actually set up an affiliate account and got paid as an affiliate with the stolen credit card. Mm -hmm. um, you have to have a bank. So there's a lot more breadcrumbs to attach to you when you do right. that. Now, the big one that I heard of, I think it was out of Europe, um, was where it was coming from maybe, but it was... Uh, with the click getting paid for the affiliate clicks and yeah. it was companies they'd set up a company and they would uh, get paid to send traffic to certain websites and that was it. 
but rather than directing legitimate traffic, they would uh, put viruses out and infect people's computers so that when you try to go to one site, it redirects you through their affiliate link. Yeah. Yeah. And everything looked legitimate. There's traffic of real humans coming through, but they were spreading these viruses in order to get the traffic and none of the humans were interested in the site they were going to. They were trying to go, they were actually upset. Yeah. Um, I think that was quite a while ago, but that's the one thing that stuck in my that? mind as, oh, this is what affiliate marketing is. Yeah, they do. And so if we had a, a list of do's and don'ts, the first one is this isn't a set it and forget it. This isn't a uh, field of dreams. You build it, they will come and you get to watch and play baseball. Hey, that's our motto. Come on. <laughs> well, <laughs> you have the to build it motto, don't worry and it. you have to watch it. You can't yeah. let it go. You, that's the thing. And it's, it's the single biggest mistake that costs thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars for retail for merchants that get into this. They just said it and forget it. They just said it and forget it. And, and it's really easy to, as an affiliate, to know that no one's mining the, you know, minding the store. I and so anything. they try something a- and then it goes through and they're like, okay, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm gonna keep oh, yeah. It. But if you yeah. try that with an individual marketing person, you set it and forget it. When you come back, you're going to realize they're not doing their job and you're, you're losing money. Yeah. If you try that with a salesperson, they're going to find a way to yep. work the system. If you try that with anything, like Google AdWords, you know, there's fraud oh, yeah. in there. If, you, if you're yep. not on top of it to, to some reasonable extent, if there's no accountability there and you're not looking at it all the time, anything will bite you in the ass. Exactly. Now, the next kind of fraud happened when we started to get, uh, you know, paid search. Uh, affiliates. And so when Overture then or GoTo and then Overture, uh, now AdWords, um, that there is, uh, there is fraud. Um, you will have terms and conditions and we'll let affiliates know how they're able to behave in that channel. And uh, what we had happen early on, uh, Google AdWords would let you geotarget. So I'm going to only serve ads to Washington state or these zip codes and things like that. What we had happen to us is they would, they would serve ads everywhere, but my affiliates would know where I traveled and where I lived and they, they would uh, black out those areas. So they knew I typically went to New York twice a year. I went to Salt Lake city. I went to LA and San Francisco and I lived uh, in Idaho. So they were saying it's like uh, what Uber did with, um, you know, trying. They were they were setting up this fake stuff and they didn't want you to see it. Well, so, it was so fake, they would hide it from you, or they were real, but they weren't from the areas they were supposed to be. Yeah, the orders were you. real, but they were taking it from our other channels, so they weren't allowed to do oh, this. Right, it wasn't their they, territory, basically, and they were. It essentially wasn't their yeah. territory, so they're out there. Um, taking, you know, getting sales, bidding on our brand terms, uh, uh, our clients' brand terms, and they weren't, they were uh, limited from doing that according to our agreement with them. And so one time I had, I had gone out of my... Uh, Your zone, travel zone. My zone, I, I did something different, and I was like, I'll check on this. And it was rampant it was <gasps> everywhere and so then you have to adjust all your numbers you have to deal with that affiliate adjust your numbers adjust your forecast uh, now we have tools uh, why would brand- you still work with that affiliate oh well you don't well he said oh, deal okay. with it's a yeah, mob deal style with. deal with okay i call i call a guy <laughs> he deals he takes with it. care of it he deals with it <laughs> I want to ask you to deal with my kids. Don't misinterpret that. That's a different kind of deal with. That's completely, I don't know a guy for that. Maybe we shouldn't use the word deal with. Be more yeah. I was like, what does that mean? No, you, you know, um, there are times uh, when there's a mistake. And I was taught early on, gather your information. because, And with digital marketing, there's always something new. Uh, and so maybe there's something different that's going on. Uh, most of the time it is on purpose to get around it. Now we have tools. Brand Verity is one of them that allows you to put in your terms and conditions and it lets you know every day. So you never have to look and it can look from all over the world and track for all those things. So that was one of the other big ways uh, uh, to defraud. Um, and that, that still, uh, still goes on today. Um, and that's, that's the, there are, there's others. Um, called browser helper objects. So it's kind of, uh, you talked about a virus. Not all of these are bad. Not all of these go against, but you'll have affiliates that have like a saving download. 
so they will have a, uh, a toolbar on the browser that the uh, uh, customer uh, has opted into. And when they go shopping, it'll come up and say, hey, you're at easternmountainsports.com. Do you want a deal? Now, sometimes that's fantastic. It just depends on what you're looking for. Are you okay with that affiliate getting a commission on a click that was sent, a customer that was sent uh, from your search engine campaign or your email campaign or went there without any, you know, just a natural, they went right to your site. And those um, browser add-ons, by the way, are almost never intentionally added on. Every well, that, those, it's on some application. I'm just like, yes, I accept the terms of, oh no, there was all these things checked and now they're installed. Uh, that's true and, and not true. It, it, it can be true. And that's that for me, I'm for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, but. <laughs> and for a long time you would, you know, do you opt in or do you decide to not opt in? Do you unclick? Yeah. Do you have to uncheck the opt in? Or do you have to check? The They're better now. When they first started adding them to installing applications, they were really deceptive. And yeah, and we, or, yeah, and back in Napster's uh, heyday, we had other sites like Morpheus, and they, and some of those sites would uh, propagate viruses that would upload browser helper objects and toolbars and things. Uh, now um, there are requirements that networks have of all those, uh, all those uh, downloads. And most of them in the space uh, are very, you know, you have to opt in, you have to decide you want to download this. And the client really has, the merchant, the, the business has to decide if that's the type of affiliate behavior they want to reward. Is it valuable to them? And it's, you know, someone who has Target, for instance, not a client of ours, but really big, you know, they kind of do some marketing. They have stores. I mean, they kind of own the color red, you know, with Coke. <laughs> so they're out there. Would they want to use it? That may not provide no value to them. But to someone starting out, those may provide a lot of value as a closer to get in there and say, hey, we have an offer for you and you're going to receive your own rebate uh, from right. this. And so it's, there, there are certain requirements to get them in the conversation of are they good or not? Are they fraud or not? Once you get past those requirements, then it's just, is this a good business decision? Will it cannibalize other affiliates? Will that hurt relationships I have with my other producing partners? Will that hurt my relationship with the other channels in my company? Will that make the acquisition of a customer uh, more likely and less costly or more likely and simply more costly? And so those are the kind of questions you have, uh, you have with those. Uh, and then, you know, you always have credit card fraud and, um, and there are always new ways that, uh, someone, you know, there's money in it. So someone will find a way, uh, to defraud and get credit for stuff that they shouldn't. And that happens with Facebook advertising and Google AdWords. Yeah. Someone's in jail right now for getting paid from Facebook, like several million dollars. Uh, and, and now they don't, you know, the viruses are something, but they'll have click farms of phones just lined up in a whole room and they're just clicking. Right. Know, they realize this is worth so much money. Why try to infect? We'll just set up a bunch of fake yeah. real people. Yeah. 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 So is there a, um, I mean, I know affiliate marketing is big in consumer, but we focus on business to business marketing here. Is there a type of company that affiliate marketing is typically good for and types that it doesn't really work for? Like, are, are there verticals that, that this really kind of uh, settles down in? Well, it, it's, there is very successful B2B and very successful B2C. Um, the way that you know, I was preparing for our, our podcast here, um, it's, it's all about the audience. What are they doing? Are they engaging in this channel for this type of thing? If they're not, well, then you're not going to find the audience there. And you have that data and, and, and agencies like yourself, you would hope would have that kind of data for people that are looking for affiliate marketing. Yeah, definitely. And we do an audit with every client that comes in before they're a client to say, can we, can we help them? Are the customers out because there? Couldn't you have, I mean, you have new technologies, you have new services, you have things that are coming out that are really disrupting the value network and the status quo. And there may not be affiliate channels for that yet, but exactly. could there be affiliate channels created? Definitely. And that's what you look at for audit. Yeah. Yeah. So when yeah. we do that, we, we, uh, we get to know the consumer as much as possible. So a lot of the clients come to us 
whether they're B2C or B2B, and they have their audience profiles already figured out. They know, you know, they know exactly who it is, how they behave. We will go out and find where are those going. Now, some of the places those, uh, those customers get to, they're already affiliates, and we know who they are, and we work with them. Others, they're not. They're going to, you know, um, a content creator, or right. there's nothing out there. In the past, we've created affiliate sites because no one was – it was emerging. No one right. was talking about it. So we went out there and said, what would the consumer need? How do we create this? And we create the site, we create the content, we create whatever we need to, to, to make that happen. And a lot of times we've gone to affiliates and said, Hey, this thing is coming out. No one's really, no one's talking about it. You can be at the front of it. Here's the financial arrangement we want to offer. Here's what we need from you. And here's all the tools, whether it's content, creative, anything, here's all the tools we want to provide you. So as an agency, we are constantly looking for new channels that are either emerging and being created themselves or that we can help uh, push the industry to create. So I'm going to, I'm going to make an analogy here to television, maybe to help me grasp this. Uh, and well, before the you make an analogy, well. I just have a quick question. You can create those sites. That's what you, that's what yeah. you do if you're creating it for an emergent, emerging channel. Yeah. And, and we tend to want an affiliate to create it first, but at yeah. times that's not even available. And if, if we feel we can, do that we will totally do that got it okay sky over to you it seems it's a bit like saying um you know we have these all these different tv shows and they have a specific audience and then so if you want to sell your product to that audience then we can place your ad within that show um but yeah. maybe sometimes there's an audience that's identified that somebody needs to target and there's no show for it so you're yeah. saying you'd have to go and create that. You have to create the space the, that where you can attract these people to in order to convert them over um, to, to your client. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But in many cases, you already have all these different spaces created in different companies that own these properties that attract these people that can then be Yeah, directed. usually by the time it filters down to us, you know, there's already a product that someone is selling or want or, you know, it's already there. So that need has already been identified. Usually the product follows the audience. So usually there's an audience out there. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And that makes a lot more sense. But to, to your question real quick, like we look at the audience. So when we, you know, are there, can B2B be successful? It's the audience, it's the offer, it's the tools you provide to your affiliates and your publishers to be successful, and it's the conversion path. So those are the things that you're focusing on. You can, you know, I, I haven't seen a sector or an industry not be successful in, the, in this space. I've seen individual organizations not be successful. That's such great I, advice. I want to start my own affiliate channel. So I'm a little bit confused. You you, we're getting close to the end. It's going to sound almost like commercial, but I'm a little bit confused now that I'm thinking about it as to why somebody wouldn't work with an affiliate company because it seems like you guys get, you guys are getting the affiliates getting a piece of what's sold, which means something has to be sold. Mm -hmm. um, it's like hiring a commissioned account manager. Is there, I mean, are there, are there upfront costs to getting things going and whatnot? Uh, for an affiliate program or is it, is it commission based once the, a company like yours looks at it and says, yes, there's an audience, we can run this. Yeah, there are some upfront costs, but it's not, you know, the, the largest cost is network fees upfront. And I think the largest is three grand. So now for a small business, great. We have other networks that the starting startup cost is $400. Uh, but you know, so it's not startup costs. Usually it's a cultural thing. Uh, they want to do everything in-house and sometimes that can be really really successful uh, other companies You know, they're not able to integrate this and the affiliate I, I, I've been in-house and you are something different than everybody else um, As I'm you know at Coldwater Creek trying to work out deals with non-traditional publishers And we're trying to create things people around me who are not used to that that business development sort of vibe have no idea what we're doing Right. how to support it, what to do. So a lot of times it's just doesn't fit culturally. Um, but uh, many times if they're not going to do that, it's just a cultural thing that they've decided we're going to keep everything in house. We're going to build the talent here. We can go find that person. Um, and a lot of times it's just not understanding the, the breadth and depth of what's needed to make it successful is that whole set it and forget it, you know, uh, uh, fatal conceit, if you will, that, um, 
you know, well, affiliates will want to come to us because we're cool and they'll want to promote us, but it's just not a lever you pull and you optimize. There really are relationships that you, you have to cultivate and you have to work. So typically it's that, I mean, it's that they are working for you. I mean, yeah. they are working for the client. I mean, it is a relationship. Yeah. 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 Um, one thing you talked about earlier, I know we only have a few minutes, but you talked, uh, you know, small versus big business. Oh, right. Yeah. What's the difference so, in using affiliate marketing there? So a large business, um, you know, uh, will have usually established other digital channels. So they will have a portion of their marketing will be the affiliate channel, but they have a vibrant, mature, strong search engine, you know, SEO, they have a vibrant and strong SEM and email and uh, all these, uh, you know, retargeting and display and all those things. So they will use the affiliate channel to augment that. So there will be ways that when we talk about attribution, there are things they're looking for the channel and things are, they don't want it to do. Don't mm -hmm. mess with SEO. You don't need to email anybody. Don't step on our feet over here and here. Right. But a small business, one of the huge benefits of a small business is they they may not have the manpower, they may not have the expertise, uh, they don't have uh, they may not have the budget for you know five grand for this channel, ten grand for this channel, twenty grand for this channel. Um, with the affiliates, though, you can have one marketing you know one budgetary line item, and you can allow them to engage in all those digital channels. Right. It's a bit so, what I was talking about before. You give them a budget and you say, you go figure out how to make it work best. Exactly. And pay exactly. yourself out of the budget. You set the terms of what that ecosystem, that environment looks like. Uh, but you, you know, you can work with, you can have a really vibrant paid search campaign without a paid search uh, budget and that upfront cost and hiring and trying to figure that out. You can have a vibrant email and display and retargeting all those things. There's a huge segment of affiliates that they do all those channels uh, as a vendor and they get paid on an affiliate basis and run through the network. So you can very quickly go from having very little digital marketing to having robust channels with just dealing with one uh, one agency or one network, uh, and, and going that route. So that's typically like the biggest difference. Um, it's super smart and yeah. it allows these smaller companies to be able to compete, right? Yeah. With a yeah. much broader, um, you know, base. And now that we have so much technology for the bigger companies that if, if they're not engaged, it's usually because of, you know, uh, a belief that, we're not getting any new customers from this. They're only getting credit for sales we would have had anyway. Well, some of that is true, but now we have tools that we can say, well, and we're not gonna pay for that. So that right. may come through, but we're not gonna incur a cost that let the user search how they, and behave how they wanna behave, but we're not going to reward a behavior that, you know, we're not gonna reward a result that we really, we know really confidently that that result would have happened anyway. Right. But the results that wouldn't have happened without this particular affiliate, we're going to pay for that. So that's usually the, you know, small companies, they're really not worried about that. Let me get as much as I can. I want to broaden my marketing. Um, and the bigger companies are they more defined on what they expect and need and allow the affiliate channel to do. So assuming you were paid the same amount from both, which would you prefer a small company client or a big company client? You know, we have, it depends. It's, it's, we look for cultural fit too. Yeah. Um, we want. Oh, so it's like an advertising agency in that sense. You go to an affiliate company and they might say, you know, we're not a fit for you. We don't have the channels lined up that your company needs. Is that. Well, a lot of it's like, we kind of don't want to work with you. You seem like <laughs> you're a lot of it is personality. We, we don't we turn don't away like many. You. It's not us. It's you and your personality. Yeah. I mean, we don't <laughs> usually say that, but you can tell, you can tell when, you know, there's someone who doesn't either believe in the channel. They're reluctantly working with you. They're going to uh, challenge uh, you on everything. They're going to challenge you. Wrong. Yeah. And you know, as an agency owner, I have an obligation to my staff and to my clients. So I don't want to bring on something that, you know, we truly can't do because that's going to run my staff through the grinder. Right. I also don't want to bring on customers. I, I can choose who I work with. 
it's a huge benefit of being the owner. Um, and I don't, I've had really hard clients and clients that were disrespectful. I've fired clients for disrespecting my staff, Amen. being inappropriate with staff. I don't want that anymore. I think and the so, episode that just aired today. And so, uh, this is, this episode's going to air much later. Somebody, somebody will make the connection to who it was, but, uh, they also talked about firing clients and I was like, Hey, it's, yeah. it's good. You got to fire clients. Sometimes. We should have an episode how to fire clients and feel good about it. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> hard. It is, and you know, it is it, hard and it takes time to figure it out and be okay with it. And, but you want but then you to learn, you know, that's part of your culture too. And you really learn and it is part of your best ideal, you know, um, target audience, right? Yeah. You go, yeah, they, they do this or they don't have this. We don't want yeah. them. Yep. And we have our ideal customer too. So, you know, you, you, you just got to watch. Um, but we have small clients who we work with the CEO and founder and they are phenomenal. They do really, really well. And we have large clients that we work with. Uh, sometimes an intern is all that they have available to us. And there are, you know, four levels, uh, uh, between the person we work with day to day and the person who signed the contract. Uh, it really is, do, do they know what they're looking for? Can we provide that? Are we go both going to enjoy working together and be successful? And that's kind of how we make our decisions. I like that formula. So somebody's interested in getting into affiliate marketing. They've never done it before. Um, the easy route is to call somebody like Jeb Commerce and say, mm -hmm. hey, I want to do affiliate marketing. Set me up. Tell me all about it. But yeah. if they want to do something themselves, if they want to get their feet wet, is that even possible in affiliate marketing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can do that. The first thing you want to figure out is your margin. What can you spend? Then figure out what you're looking for it to do. Um, if you're looking to get brand exposure, this channel's not real good at that. It, it just, and, and you don't want to pay this channel. Go do, go do that in other places will be more effective. Um, so Talk figure to Carla out. Joe Helms. Get some PR going, get brand yeah. that way. There are great ways that Carla does that. When your yeah. boss is saying, we need leads. I don't want any of this fluff online, social media. Yes. We need hard leads. That's when affiliate marketing comes in. Yes. And when you're looking at leads, you know, there are, there are certain networks that do that really, really well. Uh, and there are certain networks that don't. And there are, uh, you know, when you get into lead fraud, you're going to want to partner with uh, a vendor that does your lead fraud protection for you. Uh, especially if you're a smaller business and you don't have a lead fraud department uh, because that, that is a, I, and we, I skipped over that, apologize, but that's another big thing. When you get to B2B, a lot of that, uh, the affiliate conversions are leads. Uh, finance uh, is the same way. And you, you know, you got to check the easy stuff is, is Mickey Mouse signing up for my webinar again? Um, you know, but there are credit card fraud in there too, but there's algorithms that vendors use uh, to, to watch, uh, for that. But, uh, you know, if you are looking for leads, the affiliate, uh, place is, is the place to go. So find out your margin, get your goals set up, then go out and determine your solution set on the network. That should be, uh, your next step. If you're not going to work with an agency, other than that, find your agency first, they'll work. If it's us or someone else, they will work through all these issues with you before you sign any contracts. Uh, and that's the recommended way, even if you just engage with us for the setup period so that you at least you get on the, the, the basic footing. But all the networks there, they're, uh, they have some technical integration uh, to go through uh, places like uh, Impact Radius. My next question, like where can they go to find their affiliate audience kind of? Yeah, Impact Radius uh, is a great one. Uh, ShareASale. Um, uh, uh, link share commission junction, uh, tune has offers cake. Uh, there's a bunch, but those are the ones I'd probably look at first. I'll put those ones up on the show notes as well. So people, I was started scrambling and writing down. I was like, what am I yeah. doing here? I, yeah. we're going to put it in the show notes. I don't need to do this. <laughs> yeah. So then, then from there, it's how much time are they going to put into it? Will you know, time in equals, you know, your production. So then it's, uh, going out and, and, uh, you know, you set it up, you go out and find those affiliates and then you're working with them and to be successful, you're going to work on them one-on-one. -on -one. Hmm. Nice. It's great. We're, we're really running out of time here. Um, so I do want to wrap it up, but, uh, Jamie, this has been really insightful. I understand affiliate marketing much more than I did in the past. Now I will not be telling everyone that you guys are all fraud anymore. Uh, <laughs> 
Thank you. I didn't spend a lot of time talking about it in the past, but uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's uh, really good to have all your insights here. Thanks for coming. Yeah, on really and, uh, good. And joining yeah, us. Thanks for having me. You guys can get the uh, the show notes on uh, ifyoumarket.com. Check out uh, Jamie Birch on LinkedIn. Really easy to look up there. And then uh, jebcommerce.com. And then you can find Jamie on Twitter at Jamie E. Birch and or uh, at Jeb Commerce. Thank you guys all for listening. On behalf of Carla Jo Helms. Bye, guys. <laughs> and the Ify Market team and Jamie Birch of Jeb Commerce. Thank you for uh, joining us on the show today. And remember, if you market the shit out of it with affiliate marketing, they will come. Awesome. Thank you, guys. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.